one year, I kind of got an idea. You know, I almost tried trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? You would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're gonna set traps, like no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Trappers love game trappers in a positive light. I'm gonna ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. Instruction from Perigo Gorman. Herb Lennon's articles, the Herb Lennon ads to information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. Alright, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because we're working ahead of time to build big traffic. If you got very bullshit saying the judge, if you got bog trap. They start talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get them better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a sheer. You better edit this part out. Yeah, it was better. Back in the fur shed, this is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you guys for listening in. Great to have you here again so soon since the last episode. We're rolling them out pretty quick here. Um, we are brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S dot com. Cots Bros has a full line of trapping supplies, baits and lures, books, DVDs to get you started learning some things, and a full selection of traps and snares and all of the different equipment. We're also brought to you by OnX Maps. Use your phone as a GPS on the trap line, mark your trap locations, get landowner information, scout using the latest aerial imagery, and do it all in one place from your phone, get home, pull it up on your laptop or your tablet, and you can see all of your waypoints and locations and tracks all already synced up together. It's all in one spot somewhere up in the cloud, and it makes life so much easier because everything is synced up and you drop your phone in the water, you don't have to worry about losing your waypoints and all that stuff. So uh, it is a really cool app and it's so useful for so many different uh, things that you do out there outdoors, not only trapping. uh, I use it all the time on the trap line, but I also use it uh, pretty much every day that I'm outside, even outside of trapping season. On xmaps.com, use the code TRAP, T-R-A-P, to get 20% off of your first purchase at onxmaps.com. Don't get it through uh, the iPhone, uh, the Apple Store or the Google Play Store because you will not be able to get that discount. You only get that discount if you go through onxmaps.com and use the code TRAP. And it kicks back a little bit for the podcast too, so that's good. So I was sitting on this interview that I did with Ed Schneider from Kansas Trapline Products, and I've been sitting on a couple of interviews, and I just didn't want to wait forever to put them out. So I I um, decided that even though I just did an episode here recently, I'm going to throw another one up, and then probably going to throw another two up before too long. They're not going to be uh, a month apart like they have been recently. I've been doing my best to to make sure that we have one every month at least. Uh, and and coming into like the summer months, that's going to be especially important because I'm going to be outside of my full-time job. I'm going to be on working on the farm and I'm going to be making hay and taking care of cattle and doing a million other things. So there are never enough hours in the day in the summertime. But uh, during trapping season, we're all thinking about trapping more often anyway. So uh, it's a great time to maybe put out a little bit more content and a few more podcast episodes. So that's what we're doing. Before we get into that, I got two little announcements I wanted to make. Number one, um, I'm just going to point you to my YouTube channel for this because I did quite a little rant. I'm not usually a ranter, but I did a rant the other day for um, a a situation that popped up that's really been, really ticked me off. Uh, And it should tick you guys off as well. Basically, the short of it is uh, I sell my books through Amazon. Dot com because it is the 
most streamlined, easiest way to print, publish, and sell books. And for me, for a small-scale uh, publisher like me, and it is uh, out there in front, it gets your books out there in front of the widest audience. Everybody sees books on Amazon. So I, this was really important to me for the a couple of the books that I've written, the Walter Arnold book, but especially the More Than Wolverine. And the reason I was really uh, wanted, I really was excited about getting More Than Wolverine out. That's uh, More Than Wolverine and Alaska Wilderness Trapline. That is the book that I wrote following my Alaska trapping trip back in 2020. And I really felt that that book had a wider appeal than just the trapping community. I didn't write it for trappers per se. I, I wrote it for a wider audience because there, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's such a, it was such a cool experience. There's so much history there. There's so much beauty in that wilderness and that wild country. And it was more than just a, more than just trapping. It was more than just catching a wolverine. That really, honestly, you know, I, I, it was kind of a goal of mine. I wanted to catch a wolverine. I thought that'd be really cool. But when I really sat back and thought about it, I, it really wasn't about a wolverine. It didn't matter whether I caught a wolverine, caught a lynx. Uh, it was just about being there, being part of that whole experience, and kind of living, living for three weeks the dream that I, I thought at one point I was going to do for a lifetime. So. That that book I put that out and it must have been I should have checked this was probably about a year ago and uh, it it's done really well and so it sells it sells on Amazon and I also have it on trappingtodaystore.com so you can get it from either of those two locations but through Amazon uh, everything was going fine and I also had in, in addition to just having a listing where you can buy the book. And Amazon will show that to other people if they buy similar books and stuff. You know, the algorithm picks it up. That's why I've always told people, hey, you know, I don't care if you buy it from me or Amazon, but if I make about the same amount of money when you factor in my time. But if you buy it from Amazon, it gets it gives the algorithm a little bit of juice and uh, lets, lets it know that, hey, people like this book, so it's more apt to recommend it to more people. And that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to kind of expose this. Uh, I don't know. I thought it would be a good idea to get people who were not exposed to trapping and to this lifestyle to uh, to kind of read about it and to learn about it. And uh, what really motivated me to do that was seeing the, sh- the show, the TV show, The Last Alaskans, and seeing Yukon Men and Life Below Zero and seeing how the people that I know reacted to that people that have no experience or background in trapping and know, know nothing about it. Uh, you know, so many people reacted surprisingly positively to those shows. So I felt that that was uh, a good direction for us to go as, you know, as, as trappers is to, to share what we do and, and show people they were not these barbaric cavemen that are trying to make animals suffer and, and uh, go home and, get drunk and beat our kids and all that stuff. No, we're, we're ordinary human beings just like everybody else. And we have feelings and we do this. There are reasons that we kill animals and we harvest animals and, uh, there we feel there are legitimate reasons. And what we're doing is, uh, we're making every effort to be as ethical and responsible as possible while we're doing it. And, uh, we, you know, we just, just give them a little glimpse of, of that. I thought that would be good. So, anyway, I did I say that this was the the long story short. This I'm turning the story into a very long one. <laughs> um, I, in addition to just the standard book listing, there are is something called Amazon advertising, which is like a whole different arm of Amazon. They make a bunch of money, and I know this because uh, for my two books, I have paid thousands of dollars in the past two years to Amazon advertising. And I pay them to show my books to more users on Amazon and recommend my books uh, to to people when they're when they're shopping and looking for products on Amazon. So I got a surprising email um, two days ago that Amazon advertising was pulling my ad campaign for the More Than Wolverine book, and the reason was kind of kind of confusing. 
they said it was um, something it was it was it, I violated their policy terms and all that and uh, I had to go and read the whole the entire policy on ad guidelines and I couldn't really figure out where I had done anything that would violate their policy so I called somebody uh, I called customer service and I got somebody in India who did not speak very good English but they uh, proceeded to tell me that uh, yeah it, you know it looks like uh, you know there there's some graphic pictures there of uh, of dead animals and I, I, I said hang on a second hang on a second there's there's a picture of a wolverine on the cover of the book and I, that I'm holding. There is no blood. There is no bones, gore, guts. There is no skinned out animal pelt. There is no sign of any type of struggle. There's no mangling. There's nothing. There, it's an animal that I've harvested that is dead, and I'm I'm displaying it in a respectful manner to the animal. Uh, in as good of a condition as I can. So I appealed it, and they sent it to someone, I assume in America, who would not talk to me on the phone. Um, that was not an option, and, and I asked several times if I could talk to somebody, and I was told no, but I would get an email response. So here's the email response. Hello, from Amazon Advertiser Support. I understand your concern regarding... Your blah, blah, blah being marked as not approved. When we reviewed your ad, campaign name More Than Wolverine, we determined that your cover contains images of excessive violence. The image contains graphic depictions of cadavers. And also, we determined that your ad contained violent content. To ensure good customer experience, we don't allow ads containing images of human or animal abuse, mistreatment, or distress. Okay, so th this... In, in their interpretation, displaying a harvested animal is an image of abuse, mistreatment, or distress. I mean, come on. So anyway, uh, I, I did a little rant on YouTube on that. You can check that out on the Trapping Today YouTube channel and, uh, and see, see what you think. But a bunch of people... But I didn't expect it. A bunch of people went on trappingtodaystore.com and started buying the book. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that was that. Um Okay, I'm I'm rambling on too much. We got to get into the interview. Um, I have I have one more thing I want to talk about. I'm gonna wait until the next episode is released to talk about it a little more. It's it's a little bit. Uh, it's it's gonna be a little while anyway. It, it's not gonna pop at you right away. But I do want to get you kind of excited for it because I am super excited for it. I kind of hinted at it last episode. So stay tuned for that. There's something in the works from Trapping today. Something that's not like. Uh, like anything you have seen yet so we will keep you i will keep you <laughs> i hate it when people say we when it's just them it's me i will i'm the only one here so i will keep you except my wife does all the orders for the store pretty much so uh she i have to give her credit for that but um i think a lot of people say we to make it sound like they have a bigger business than they actually do but no it's just me um and so I'm going to get into the interview with Ed Schneider from Kansas Trapline Products. This was a lot of fun. If you don't know Ed, he is a, a Kansas trapper. He's a lure maker. He is uh, an instructor. He does he does uh, on the trapline instruction. He travels to different states and traps. He is a really good guy. He's a lot of fun to talk to. And he has a YouTube channel, uh, Edward Schneider. And uh, or or you, yeah, you you just search Ed Schneider Trapping and you'll find it. So we had a lot of fun. We talked for quite a while, and I am going to split this up into a couple of different episodes. Uh, it, it's not a it's not a one specific theme. I was trying to kind of I was trying to actually talk a little more about the Kansas trapping, but Ed had just come back from a trip to Maine, and he trapped uh, actually not much more than an hour away from where I live. Um, I mean, probably I don't know two to two or three hours from where I trap, so it it was uh, it was really cool and it was fresh in his mind. He was so excited about it and, and he uh, he kept bringing the conversation back to Maine. But I did cut things off uh, for this segment uh, to so that we could have a, 
an episode, the next episode that we do with that is it's going to be like mostly, it's going to be a lot more main. It's going to start with the, the main trip. And it's really cool to see his perspective uh, coming from a state like Kansas and having never trapped Martin or Fisher before and, and what his thoughts were and his impressions were of the area and the trapping style and, and the animals and all that. So, all right, we're going to get into it, guys. Hope you enjoy. Ed Schneider, Kansas Trapline Products. Thanks for being on the show. Well, I'm happy to be here. It's been a long time coming. I, I've been wanting to get you on for a long time, and I it, I didn't get around to it. And then uh, Jason Vance reminded me that I needed to get you on the show, and then <laughs> I didn't get around to it. And then someone told me you are in Maine, and you were trapping about an hour away from, from where I live, and I still didn't Is get that around what, to it. Oh, I I, if I'd have realized <laughs> that you was that close, I would have I would have driven uh, uh, there. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, didn't, I thought you were farther north, but that's okay. I mean, though uh Maybe I'll run into you because I am going to go back up for beaver trapping. I'm going to trap a Jason on some beaver this year because I already own the license. So I mean, I'm a. We're me and him are just going to ride together. So yeah, you you might as well. Yeah, might yeah. As well take yeah. advantage of that spring season. Oh yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, maybe we should get started by introducing people to uh, to you and and uh, how you got started trapping. What's your background? Well, great. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to do so. So I'm, um, I'm an, I'm an individual who, um, I'm an Illinoisan by, by birth. And the, I, I, in my career in agriculture, I worked in, uh, uh, production hog confinements most of my life. I, that was my way to get into farming and things like that. We have a small farm in Illinois, but, um, so I ended up bouncing around in the multiple areas of uh, Illinois. I was in, uh, I've lived in eight different states, uh, trapped in over 14, 15 states. Uh, I, I, you know, growing up in West Central Illinois near Quincy, um, raccoon was king. I wasn't, and in my area, and anybody who's over 40, 45, they all know how hard it was to get information at the time uh, of the 70s, 60s, uh, early 80s. Uh, nobody was talking about anything. And so I wasn't a good land trapper in that day and time, but I did learn how to catch raccoon. And uh, so I started doing that. Then I st- I'm in my career and I'm bouncing around to different states. By the time I get to Virginia, and I lived in Virginia, North Carolina, I did get pretty good at catching fox and uh in peanut fields in the in the timber country they have loblolly pine is their uh timber in uh, southeast virginia and northeast south uh northeast uh, uh north carolina and um anyway so I, I got into the land trapping and uh did that for a number of years and uh one thing i got really good at and i think this is where a lot it hurts a lot of trappers and that's getting permission. Um, now, where you are up in Maine, the great news is, is you got the Northwoods, you got you, you got the paper the paper companies, and uh, the good news is you you don't really have to ask for permission. You just got to understand the boundaries of where you can go uh, without permission um, per se. And uh, but for um, uh, many areas, I got I got I I gain an, a knack of learning how to ask for permission and every dang state I went to, I had to turn right around and I had to get more land and I might be on this job for a year and a half, two years. And then, so I get some permission in this area and then the next thing you know it, I'm either getting promoted or moving or changing career, you know? So those are all uh, things that, uh, that, that kind of force my hand to uh, learn how to gain permission. I also learn through the process, uh, especially when you get into canines. But one thing I really learned a lot was, and that was learning how to gain numbers. You know, I mean, it's one thing to go out as a schoolboy trapper and maybe get four or five raccoon in a year. And then you want to get your first hunter coon. And then you're wanting to get 300 and 500 and all those things take time. And you start putting these little pieces together to to get to to reach your goals you know and um you know means more traps it means more land and means more baits and lures the whole thing 
kind of adds up, you know. So those those are those were things that uh, that I that I learned over the time. And then canine, I I, I can say this: if I wouldn't have originally gone with my first mentor named Richard Thurman out of North Northern Illinois uh, near Galesburg, um and R- Craig O'Gorman, which many of your listeners do know, if I wouldn't have gone with Craig for private instruction in both of those cases for coyote trapping, I, I, I wouldn't be the trapper I am today on coyotes. Uh, those two, it, they were, it was such a big step that I took from being a, Oh, just a hobbyist trapper to being a good, you know, a proficient trapper. I'll put it that way. I, I'm not going to say I'm the best cause I'm not, but I being proficient knowing I can go out and, and catch seven to 12 coyotes in a day. You know, those are things that I was, uh, uh, aspiring to, to, and, you know, and, and then there's the next step. If a guy could get onto feedlots and things like that, and then we could be talking, you know, legendary type numbers and stuff like that. So sure, um, yeah. yeah the, big, those... the secret of the big numbers is go where the animals are, right? That's it. That's it. You know, I mean, you just keep chipping away. If you want to get a large number of uh, raccoon, well, you go to corn country. You know, if you want to go, if you want uh, Fisher and Martin and stuff like that, well, you got to go to areas where you know, where the Fisher and Martin really are in numbers, you know, so a lot of fun, a lot of fun things you learn along your travel. And you've put up some big numbers of both raccoon and coyotes, right? Yeah, I have, you know, I mean, we got Richard and I, uh, one year, um, he was a student of mine, Richard Johnson, and he's the kind of the, the inventor of what I call the RJ set or that I, um, uh, that he kind of came up with, but, um, Richard and I started getting into bigger and bigger country and, um, from the Dakotas on, on down into, uh, uh, uh South into Kansas. And we kind of bounced around about 450 coyotes and 350 coyotes and things like that, though, um, without being on feedlots, but those were the numbers we were putting up every year, you know, and stuff. My, my personal best, uh, uh, on non feedlot, my best year by myself was around 363 coyotes, I think. So, those and my raccoon numbers, my best was 843 raccoons in a year. So, these different things, and I, I tell you, I that on the raccoons, I was actually going for a thousand, and um, we had a big weather front come in, and I don't know, I was running about a hundred traps, um, running uh, the Missouri River, and I gotta say. I had a day where the weather front was coming in and all of a sudden I went from 33, 34 raccoon a day. And that day I knew I was in trouble. And all of a sudden that day I caught like, in the end, I ended up with like 72 or 73 raccoon and halfway through the, all of my sets, I just started pulling them. I said, Oh my God, I'll never get through all these raccoons. <laughs> and and I just started pulling and I started pulling. So the next day I went out and I just, I was so exhausted and tired and I couldn't get all the raccoons put up uh, for the first day. And I don't know, I caught like 10 or 15 the, 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 out of the remaining sets, but I, I kind of stopped the momentum when all of a sudden I was just overwhelmed by the total number of animals I was catching. So yeah, absolutely. yeah and we've had those, we've had those and, and nobody, let me just say this is I don't know of anybody who's had a better, um, trapping experience uh than what jason vance had about three years ago there in kansas and he was not on feedlots he was he, he was in a he was in a great area but he'll even uh uh when he ever get a chance anyone who gets a chance to talk to jason about his wonderful experience um richard and i average 12 coyotes a day on this on our trip that we were doing 400 and uh um, 463, the, uh, we were averaging 12 coyotes a day. That's just the way it was. We had high days. Our best day was 27 coyotes in a day. The next day we only got one or two because again, we had a weather front and it pushed it. Now, Jason had a total different experience. He just caught the cycle just right in an area that it probably hadn't been trapped in several years or, focused on and i mean i think he was averaging like 18 
18, 16, 19. I mean, he was just coming in with coyote after coyote after coyote that year. I, I told him, I said, hey, enjoy, enjoy this. Because I said, buddy, this these day these kind of seasons just don't happen. You know what I mean? It was a Cinderella. It was yeah. his first year in Kansas, and I and he I think a, he, he was a kid in a candy store. I, oh I, my God! And he got. I think he. Well, I don't think he did get spoiled. You know, and I just says, look, it. You know, just be prepared for the drop, and then it did. I mean, he still caught a large number of coyotes. I don't want to take nothing away, but nothing like that type of a, of a year, you know? So that, that's a lot of, it was a lot of fun watching him. And I, I was actually uh, trapping another section of the property. Uh, Jason got a lot of ground. And so anyway, we were splitting it up and, and I don't blame him for not giving me his ground over there. That was, that was pretty good. Yeah. He was, he was on a roll there. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so you, uh, all these trapping experiences, you still remember the first animal you trapped? It was in us. It was <laughs> my, I remember, uh, I remember every one of them. I remember every one of them. Um, and, and, you know, times have changed in the sense, have you ever trapped a muskrat? Have you ever, I mean, you probably have in yes. Maine, but, yes. so, but there's a lot of guys out there and Charlie Mashick and myself, we were talking that, with YouTube, a lot of guys have started out on coyotes right away, and they don't have a clue on how to catch muskrat. However, it, yeah, the when I was growing up, it was the opposite. Yeah, everybody started out with a with a one-and-a-half long spring or a 110 bear. That's kind of what was the two traps that most of us had and 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 things like that as kids. And um, uh, But, thing, yes, so I knew I was very good at catching muskrat feet. I knew I was very good at catching <laughs> raccoon feet. I was good at all that. You know, you had to go through the, had to go through the lessons of it. And today with YouTube and everything, and 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 YouTube's a wonderful, a wonderful tool for guys. Um, you can avoid a lot of that stuff. The only thing guys have to learn with YouTube is who. For forgive me, but for who's pumping, who's pumping uh, stuff that you need to put out chest waders on or not, you know? Right. So that's, that's the only thing a guy can have charisma, but does he have knowledge? And there is guys that have knowledge on it, but it's just, that's, that's the only thing the guy's got to kind of weed out through watching YouTube. Cause there's, there's some guys that have a lot of charisma and they're superstars right away, but you know, is it, is it for real? You know? So that anyway, that that's, that's the only thing about uh, uh, trapping, but we can avoid the Ed Snyder mistakes in my early days and all of that, and uh, learn how to keep a raccoon in the water and you know and all that. Yeah, stuff. we can. We're people can skip a lot of the learning curve uh, by learning from other people's mistakes since information is shared. These oh days. yeah, I mean, I learned a lot from you on your uh, on your Martin and, and uh, Fisher. Uh, uh, videos that you put out, a lot of information. I I had to learn how to friggin' skin a Martin and a Fisher from you, you know, and and other guys, you know that. I had never, I was, I I had never smelled one. I I don't know the fur texture, all of that, you know. And 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 here I am up in Maine, uh, you know. I enjoyed the the main uh, the main the main uh, trappers where, uh, you know, you're a flatlander or you're, I'll, I'm not going to say the word, but you're from the state down below you. So anyway, <laughs> the, those are the two, those are the two, those are the two phrases. And I knew which category I had felt in. So I, I fell into, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> so, so you are, are, I'm assuming you're now retired from your farming agriculture career. Yes. I don't, I, I, well, we, um, the two jobs that I do uh, year round, I don't know if I want to call myself. I am I am retired from the big uh, hall confinement and uh, you know the breeding operations and all of that. Um, the uh, uh, but I do have a vegetable operation where we go to farmers markets and we grow sweet corn and pumpkins and asparagus and all of that. So we do a lot of the, we, we have a couple of high tunnel greenhouses that we use that we grow tomatoes and peppers. And so we're still very busy, but that is my income in the non 
uh, trapping time because I tell you the bait and lure market, and of course I own Kansas Trapline products, but the bait and lure market really goes dead in March on. You know, from March, right. yeah. April, May, June, July, it's you're you 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 even got a question whether you're in business anymore. You know, and, and say, well, maybe no one's going to order again, but all of a sudden it picks up. So. Yeah. yeah, those so are the two things that I do. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how you you've uh, kind of designed uh, your life around being able to go to all these different states and trap during the season. Well, um, I'm going to say this is that part of it was uh, pure luck. Um, uh, I, I I think being in the business that I am. Um, being in the business I am, I'm around a lot of really good trappers and you get to, and I do private instruction with guys. Um, and there'll be guys that I'll give an example of a great individual, wonderful man out of, uh, Salt Lake city, Utah. And he did not get Bobcat tags that year. And they have a very restrictive era, at least at the time they could, they had to, you could only you had to get a drawing basically to get your bobcat tags in order to go trap bobcat. Six, I think you could only harvest six he, when I was that's there. That's that. Okay, so you got that experience. So, but all of a sudden the bobcat market shot up through the roof, and all of a sudden, he every year he had no problem getting tags until this year. Well, you, you know, I learned a heck of a lot from that guy on the way he bobcat traps. Um. And, uh, you know, about the BLM and things like that, that a guy could take advantage of if, if he wanted to spend the time to go do that, you know, and, and all that. So I learned, I learned uh, from this individual, I learned great methods. And also I learned a little bit about the state if I ever chose to go there to Utah. I haven't done that. But so part of it is, is that I'm around some really good guys. And just like Maine, with myself going to Maine, I got a, a, a student named Doug and a student named John from Maine. And both individuals, you know, we kind of set up this trip because I was there two years ago, giving instruction to Doug. Yes, and, I remember Doug was mentioning that to me. Yep, and so we were going to go do that, and then then um, uh, Doug things fell out uh, uh, in the sense that he couldn't in obligations he couldn't make the trip. But my friend John was able to get me in, and you know John uh, uh, is just a God. He's he's such a knowledgeable individual, and um, um, so just through luck. That's what I'm saying. When I say I have a little luck, yeah. I was able to at least get into some of the understanding of where the, the timber company's land began, how to read the um, plat books that the Gazette and things like that. So I knew where I wanted to go and he, he guided me, you know, he gave me, he, he kind of pinpointed on the roads I could go to and stuff like that. And he actually went um, out with me and we pre-baited, uh, about 14 of my 60 boxes. So through repetition of putting out those 14 boxes, I kind of learned where to put the boxes. And then of course it was up to me to put the rest of the boxes out. But, but I, you know, the great news is, is that little bit of that little bit of luck by being around a guy as uh, successful as John is and uh, put me on the, put me on location, you know, and things like that. So, so not only now, are, are your students learning from you, you're learning from the students. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. And I think you'd be a fool not to take advantage of some <laughs> of the stuff that you get, you know, I mean, and this is nothing to take away from Craig O'Gorman as a great trapper himself. However, I can tell you this, if it wouldn't have been for Bill Nelson, if it wouldn't have been for being around individual, um, George Good and, and and a multitude of other people. I know Craig would probably say he he wouldn't be the guy that he is today, you know, sure. and that type of thing. He has the drive. He was the kind of an individual, and I think that's what it takes by good trappers. Is you got to be the, the type of individual that's willing to shut your mouth, listen to what other people have to say, you know, and, and at, at times, you know, some, we got to kind of, when I, uh, when I have my own personal students, you know, I, I tell it, I, I kind of, we kind of get to know each other, but then you don't know about the person for the first little bit, but as you get going, you realize, 
where this person's strengths are and where their weaknesses are. And then you can kind of hone in on weaknesses. But in the meantime, you have idle time that you can, you can share information or, you know, um, a guy down in New Mexico, uh, when I was, uh, before I went trapping down at Sunny Briggs is his name. And if you look on my YouTube, Ed Snyder trapping on YouTube, you'll see where Sunny Briggs came out with, uh, what he calls the tree stand Bobcat set. And, uh, I did a video with Sonny doing that. And, um, you know, I think if you have sheep in your area, well, how do you catch a cat without catching the dog? Or how do you catch a cat without catching the sheep? And Sonny came up with a way for New Mexico off of the rim rock that he could put, uh, a, 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 a set out and it looks like a tree stand and, uh, a portable tree stand. And so, you know, and Sonny was the one for me who took my bobcat level even up to another level because all of a sudden Sonny started sh showing me not only i mean we can all identify a bobcat scat however can you find bobcat scratches can you find the location to find these things so all of a sudden boom 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 these things start clicking you know and and i mean that's priceless. You know, that's those kind of experiences are priceless. And, and I never would have ever had that. Um, if I wanted to been, uh, well, you know, kind of like the Cardinal rule, be kind and courteous and all that type of stuff. You know, you gotta be willing to put your ego aside that you don't, that you're not Superman, that you don't know it all. The fact is, is ask some questions from, this individual when you're hanging around them, you know, and the next thing you know it, most folks would like to share, you know, I think, you oh, know, yeah. most folks, yeah. they look at you and eventually they'll have uh, uh, pity on you if no other reason and show you a little bit. So uh, that's been, I'd say that's probably uh, the way I probably come across the most, but anyway, getting the pity, getting pity, pity, uh, help, helpfulness, but the, uh, but no, it's been, it's been very interesting. And um, so, you know, a lot of these, believe it or not, for a lot of guys, um, the the strength by going to Maine and going Martin trapping came from me from um, an experience I had in my life. And for those people who want to do something, the best thing I can possibly tell you to do is in the middle of summer, take a drive get in there get a flight and drive get a flight and rent a car and go to different areas and just start knocking on doors just just that has probably been my biggest strength is the first thing it begins is with me looking at a map and saying okay i hear there's fisher and pine martin i don't i don't want to deal with for lack of better words with southeast or with eastern maine right i mean yeah there's fisher there but boy there's a I got it. I'd have to ask for permission by a thousand people to get that permission. Right. Just to, you know, like what Jason deals with where he lives, I, I don't want to do that. And so what's another option? Well, I can go to the, I can go to the paper mills up in the North woods and, and I can trap without needing that permission, you know, or if you're in Kansas, you just got to pick a place out, fly to it. You can use your Google earth. You can use your on X. You can start picking out, types of ground you want to work eastern kansas as an example is the flint hills western kansas central and western is more of your high plains and you know if you, you can you can find a a feed yard a feed lot on um on google earth you know you can find that on on x so you can do you can do some pre-scouting and say okay you know, I'm going to go here to Fort Dodge, Kansas, and I'm going to drive there in June or July, and I'm going to start knocking on doors. And then you just got to, you just got to follow through with it. And that's, that's how I did South Dakota, North Dakota. That's how I did uh, New Mexico, New Mexico. I was there for another purpose, but while I was had some downtime, I went and knocked on doors, you know, and um, that type of thing. So you just got to, and I, I can tell you this, when trapping season begins, you'll find more land once you're out there actually trapping. Yeah. You run get, into people and talk to this you, person who knows that person yep, who sees somebody yep. else sees you doing trapping. And yeah. Yeah. That all, that all falls into place. When I first went to a spot in Western Kansas and there's three different areas in Western Kansas I've trapped. Um, 
the first time I went there, I only got one man to guarantee me 2,400 acres of land. And I know to a lot of listeners, and you say, well, that's that's a heck of a lot of land, but it's not, not for not it, it's not for coyote trap, and it's, it's not for that. I mean, and the, before I left, we had 80,000 acres. Yeah. And um, that's how, that was the, that was the year we got, well, the following year, when that's the year, the first year we went there, I think we pulled in about 300 coyotes. The second year we was there, we got 463. And then the, the next year it dropped 180 coyotes. And we actually had to move to a whole nother property, but cause once you, and we, just the same as what Jason experienced, you, when, you know, if you're long lining and you really are blanketing an area, you may not, you may, we don't have to worry about making the coyote extinct. However, no, but you, can, for, you, can, you can knock them back for a year or two. That's, that's exactly right. You can knock them back. And then we also got things like Parvo and all that, that, you know, Parvo distemper and all those kind of things. When all of a sudden you're catching nothing but adult coyotes. Well, you probably are in. You probably went through a, a distemper parvo type of a deal, you know. So, those 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 kind of years happen. And uh, matter of fact, an area that I actually caught the four hundred of them in my, uh, I, I was lucky to get seventy five out of that area. Um, then uh, another year, it was just knocked down. We also were going through a drought, so I think a combination between the uh, whatever it was, it was nothing but adult coyotes and. And there was no no rain, no water, you know. And I was in I was in crop country, and I could. And um, when I moved from this place, I said I, I gave up on it in about um, two weeks. I said, "Man, they're just not here. They're not here." And I took off and I went to another location. And the first thing I did when I set up on the new location was I went to every stock tank I could find, any place with water, any place with water. And they and I was blindly. I was just setting the location, whether I had sign or not, and uh, because I knew that water was an important feature, and I was very successful on the next location. So sometimes you got to – that's where experience comes into play, right? I mean, it's hard to beat a guy in his home ground or whatever. It's hard to beat a guy with experience. How yeah. long have you been trapping in Kansas? Uh, I moved here in 2011. So since then, yeah, since 2011, yeah. Um, I, 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 I was 10 years in Virginia, North Carolina. I was, um, uh, well, growing up in Illinois, but I was in Illinois till, um, about 80, 87 is about the time I left Illinois. I was, uh, and, uh, 60 years old now in North Carolina. And, but in Illinois, while I worked in Northern Illinois, I lived in, uh, Wisconsin and, uh, Iowa, uh, Kentucky. Um, so I, all those different locations that, you know, they were, the company would move me around to do different jobs. And so I'd be in a new area, you know, and you, you experienced some movement, have you? I mean, yes, yeah. you lived out, you lived in Montana, right? Am Correct. I right? Or, yeah. and, and I don't know wherever, but so I, you understand, you yeah, understand. I've been in, uh, I, I was born and raised here in Northern Maine, but I've been in Idaho, Utah and Montana. Yeah. So right there, we got four states, and that that doesn't even count a trapping trip, you know, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. But but certainly you have that's probably where you picked up a lot of that, you know, willingness to go and knock on doors and and to you learn do. new places. And I think you also gotta uh, get out of your comfort zone. That not everywhere you live is gonna be like home, or everywhere you trap is not gonna be like home. Um, yeah. If I didn't have the Virginia experience of timber, I, I don't think I could even gone for Fisher and Martin because um, uh, it, um, it's different. It's very different in the southeast uh, uh, timber, where the ground's a lot. It, the, we're we're at what we're at five foot five foot sea level and things like that. But um, comparatively to the to where the Appalachian Trail is, um, uh, there in Maine. So it's very different topography. But if I wouldn't have had the experience from just living around timber, I don't know if it had been so easy for me. And for those of you that I got to laugh at myself with canine trapping, I, I was in the corn and soybean country um, when I first started learning about coyote trapping. And that's good country to be in. 
But all of a sudden, I moved to eastern uh, Kansas, and I got to tell you that pastors were not my strong suit, and uh, I, I, I just couldn't catch a damn thing for a while in a normal pasture because I just didn't understand it enough. And all of a sudden, it all fell into place. It all just started clicking and clicking and clicking. So sometimes you gotta, you just got to go in and say, well, this year I'm going to learn about the area. I'm going to learn location. And, uh, um, and the best thing a guy can do is a guy has to be willing to not talk yourself out of putting a set in. Um, <laughs> that can be hard yeah, to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the first thing you're doing is, is you're telling yourself, you know, if once you start to argue with yourself, the, the only way you're really going to know is get that trap in the ground. Get the, you know, get out, yeah. put the trap in and find out whether or not you are on, on pace. That's, that's for the, just like I was there with the Martin and the Fisher. Here I am at 60 years of age and I did my very first, um, Martin and Fisher type of an experience. And the thing is, is unless I put a box there or at least put a foothold trap or whatever, I was never going to learn whether this is a good Martin or Fisher spot, you know? So you got to be willing to put a trap in the ground, try different types of sets to, you know, to, you know, and things, uh, don't overcomplicate it too much. You know, I do know this is that the way you trap Jeremiah and the way I trap and the things we do, there's, there's, pro, there's not a really, a, there's not a wrong answer um, for guys who are successful. Me and Robert Waddell, we trap a little different um, uh, the way we make our sets and all. I use bare hands. A lot of guys don't believe in it. The point is, is you go with what your gut tells you, what you have experience with, and you, and you just get the set in and let, let, let let the nature take its course, you know, because um, a good trap, a good trapper, I, I, jo I jokingly say I um, I got to I, I jokingly say I can get it. if there's a good trapper, I can hand him a hand him a bottle of water and he'll figure out how to catch with it. And um, I joked with a guy and his name's Larry and he's a wonderful guy. He's a friend of mine. And when I first met Larry, he, he told me that uh, he said, Ed, um, I, I was there getting. Um, you, for those of you that, that are in the, around the, the, the Missouri river, Ohio river, they have a real problem with Buffalo carp. And I, I decided I wanted to make some, um, fish oil with all this Buffalo carp or, or Asian, will, Asian carp, Asian carp. Jump into your boat. Yeah. The ones that jump in your boat. And these guys were professional fishermen. And anyway, they, they say, Hey, heck Ed, you know, we'll, 16 cents a pound will get you loaded. And I said, yeah, that's fine. So I went with them. Anyway, we were, we were cutting up the fish and I was throwing them into my truck and um, into barrels and all that stuff. And Larry came up to me and he said, Hey, I've used those. And I'm just, I'm picking out names. This is not exact, but it's close enough. He said, you know, I've used Carmen's I've used Cavens. I've used O'Gorman's I've used June's uh, lures. And he says, I can't catch on any of them. He says, if, if I, if, if you sold, if I bought some bait and lure from you, would you guarantee me I'll catch? And I said to him <laughs> as open and honest as I could, I says, not until you become a better trapper, but anyways, cause those are good. Those are reputable lure companies. Anyway, everybody got a tickle out of that. And you know, to this day, he's actually a very good trapper. And I tell you, I'd hate to ever go up against him when it came to beaver trapping. He's one of those, he's a guy that's very proficient in beaver. And uh, he, as he got older, he, he's, you know, it gets harder to get in and out of the water. So, yeah. But yeah, it's easy was, to use lure as a crutch. It you know. is. Yeah. It doesn't substitute for understanding your quarry, your runners, you know, the, the, the more you get into it, you realize, yeah, you have to make a good set. You have to make a good set. That being said, once you got your arms wrapped around your head wrapped around making a set, then we get into the important stuff. And that just understanding how your quarry wants to move, whether it's raccoons or whether you're talking, uh, or coyotes or Fox or whatever, you know, um, a great example of understanding things is I know enough that if I'm on the river raccoon trapping and the best places for me to set, to paint a picture for your audience there, a, a, a great raccoon location while you're trapping on the river would be, you'll usually have the river, then you have the stand of 
of mature trees, whether they're whatever they are, just big mature uh, trees. And then you have corn stalks. Those are the if you have corn stalks that the field hasn't been plowed or be ripped or whatever, you have a great environment to catch a lot of raccoon. But I can tell you that that you could be all excited in September uh, before trapping season and you and you go in there. I can tell you once that farmer decided he wants to V-rip the ground or plow the, plow up the corn, I can tell you that you may have seen a million raccoon traps tracks when you get there once it's pl- plowed. Them them raccoon have moved on. They have they have moved on. So there's things like just little things like that that if a guy doesn't understand that he's going to be disappointed all the time, you know, um, and things like that. So, yeah. uh, yeah, you got, you got to learn when to not put traps in the, like in that case, well, I don't want to put any traps. I'll only catch one or two raccoon comparatively to the 30 or 40 raccoon I could have caught, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a pretty obvious one, but that there's a lot of, uh, less subtle or, more subtle yes. things that, that very minor differences, like like yep. you probably notice certain habitat types that you know have more coyotes. In oh, them, yeah. Um, or or yeah. food sources. Or, you know, we notice it with Martin and Fisher up here where yep. uh, there it, it's not going to be an all or nothing, but there may be, uh, you know, only a quarter of the number of animals in that particular area because of a certain habitat feature. You, you know, that's very, very true. Um, not not all of kansas is equal not all of maine is equal uh when you come to your to what you're going after if i wanted to go after um gray fox red fox coyote there's going to be areas of maine that is better for those three species than there is others you know i i i might as well be in a parking lot, you know, putting traps in the ground in some cases. So, um, uh, every all, and you know, part of that is just really doing your research, I think. So, yeah, Yeah, I I had a friend that was wanted to come out beaver trapping during the spring season. And he was asking me questions about, about Maine and and Northern Maine. He wanted to trap an Allagash. And Mm -hmm. I I said, I don't know if you know where that is, but it's about as far North as you can get. Okay. And, uh, and it's all big woods country. It's yep. it, it's uh, it's like everything west of where you trapped. Right. And, right. Uh, I I said, well, first off, everything's still going to be froze up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, by the end yes. of the season. But second, yes. the, the most important point is all the be- the there are beavers there, but just because it's remote and hard to get to doesn't mean it's any better. There's actually far more beavers in the farm country in the eastern part. Of the yes. Country. Yes. And, and so they're, and, they're, and at a time that they're actually moving. They're coming out. That's right. <laughs> they're coming there. That the timing is very important. I'm going to tell you a story of a success and a failure. And we're going to begin with a failure. But my friend, Rich Thurman and I, we went to Wyoming and um, where we went in Wyoming, we went in there and we met with the game warden. And, and for the record, guys, I, I like to go and talk to a game warden when I'm first moving to an area if I need to be um, there was things you know the wolves was an issue in Wyoming and I said to him do you guys need to be called if I catch a wolf that was a, a prime example or do I just need to release it you follow what I mean so yeah. little simple questions can save you a ticket just like up in Maine about the links you and know what the... you, you can get the benefit of the doubt if you, the warden realizes that you are trying your best to do the right thing yeah that's right and so anyway so I'm having this conversation with the game warden and anyway I told him where I was going to be and he said to me well why do you want to go there he says the government the government shoots out of the airplanes out of that area all the time. He says there's more government trappers than this in the area you're going to be in. He says I'm telling you that your odds of catching them. And I says, well, where would you go? And he told me where to go. And we went we went from so the first year we couldn't make the change. We already had the motel room booked, and they didn't want to give a refund. But so we kind of piddled around and. And we got snowed out, and snow's a real issue in Wyoming, as you yes. know. And uh, so we got there, and, and we had a miserable year. However, I went back the next year, but I went to the location the man said. And 
Well, in 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 uh, ten days of trapping, because that's what we had two weeks. But ten days of trap, and we took a hundred coyotes out of Wyoming. And nice. for that was my first year at that location. You know, I haven't been back since. But it was because that I had talked to a guy who took me to the next level, you know? And so sometimes doing it a hundred percent on your own, isn't necessarily a good thing. So yeah. Yeah. You can save a lot of heartache. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you are primarily trapping in Kansas. I assume yep. the majority of your trapping and uh, mm-hmm. are you in like, are you in one particular area now or are you still bouncing around depending on? No, I'm, I'm home. I'm home. Matter of fact, due to the suppress price they actually don't even have a trap in the ground officially right now i need to i need to go put a few in here before the end of bobcat season and uh try to get a few more cats but um no i live i live in the eastern part of the state central eastern near topeka kansas and we're in the flint hills and um it's big big farming country and uh, or big cattle country is what i am kind of a uh, imagine the north woods with no trees i guess or okay. yeah. something like that that's kind of the best thing i could say is just uh without or without a mountain either but uh anyway so yeah that's right now that's where i'm at all right we're gonna leave it there for this episode and we'll get back to the conversation with ed probably uh episode after the next i might do i had a i recorded one with my friend josh fisher up in fairbanks alaska and uh, had a good conversation there. Probably want to air that before that gets stale. And then we'll come back and talk with Ed again about uh, all kinds of the main the main trapping experience and all kinds of other trapping that he has done. But thanks again, guys, for listening in. And you know, we're I just uh, love all of the all the people that send me stuff. Jrodwood at gmail.com. J R O D W O O D at gmail dot com uh pictures questions feedback whatever i i uh, it, it's good it's good to hear from you and it, it's awesome that we have this community of people you know we get thousands of people that listen into this and it, it it got me thinking when that that whole amazon thing went down and they decided well since you show a dead animal in your book you you're no longer going to be able to advertise with us you know all these tech companies are are doing things like this, like Amazon stopped allowing people to sell traps on their platform a couple of years ago. And, uh, the, these are patterns where, you know, when they have, they decide that what we do is not up to their ethical standards because, you know, mainly because they don't understand it. They're the judge, jury, and executioner on whether we're successful, uh, because we play on their platforms. If it wasn't for Google, I would never get traffic to the website. Uh, if it wasn't for Amazon, I'd I'd have kind of a hard time selling books. I mean, if it wasn't for YouTube, uh, a lot of us guys that make YouTube videos, where would we put our videos? How would you find us? And YouTube, of course, being owned by Google, uh, it it just and it goes on and on. So it's kind of scary, and it makes you think a little bit. You know, how can we, or can we get away from these platforms and kind of decentralize things a little bit to where uh, I can interact with you guys as an audience and uh, it's great to be able to get traffic from Google and get the YouTube and all that stuff but but it it did get me thinking that you know maybe I need to think a little bit more about finding ways to have a more direct relationship with you guys as an audience without having to go through those guys so uh, I'm I'm working on some things that are that are probably going to move in that direction anyway, uh, but the big thing, the biggest thing is the email list, and I have had an email list on TrappingToday.com for many many years, and I've done an absolutely terrible job managing it, and and we'll go into the reasons for that and and uh, how the the plan, the kind of semi plan that I have right now to make that better because. I think we should try to do a lot more with that email list and grow that list of subscribers so that if one of these days uh, Google decides they're going to shut down the all search engine traffic for the Trapping Today podcast um, and we can't find any new people uh, to get on here and, and find out about the show, uh, we have the email list at least. And, and uh, if you, you lose that, you lose a lot of the 
the ways to find me if the YouTube channel gets shut down or something. You, uh, you at least, at least I can start shooting emails out and sending you guys links to videos on a different platform or something. You know, find ways to do that. But email is always the, the you know, the most direct, uh, at most direct medium because the it 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 is really not controlled by any one entity. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. I I really don't think we're gonna get there for a long time. But it's, it's always a good idea to, to kind of be thinking about a plan to get prepared for that in case it may happen. I don't think the, I don't think the world's going to end tomorrow either, but you never know. So anyway, guys, uh, thanks again for listening in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you enjoy the increased uh, number of shows that have been, we've been doing here recently. Don't get used to it, but enjoy it. And uh, thanks, as always, please support the show and uh and the channel and all that stuff by going to trappingtodaystore.com and pick up one of my books or buy your trapping lure there trapping today lures maybe a shirt maybe a hat got a bunch of stuff there so check it out trappingtodaystore.com thanks again until next time keep on talking trapping keep on thinking trapping we'll catch you on the next episode